Leading Britain's conversation. LBC with Nick Abbott. Simon Marks is LBC's US correspondent and joins us now from Washington, D.C. Hello, Simon. Evening, Nick. So, um, if there wasn't a mass shooting in America yesterday, then it would have been an odd day because there usually is a mass shooting being uh, four or more people get uh, shot. Um, we only hear about the, the, the big and dramatic ones in this country, as I suspect is the case in America. They're so frequent that I, I bet it's just background noise now. Um, the Democrats have plans on gun control reform. Um, are they likely to p get that passed? Well, I think it's still a very, very high bar. I mean, it was a curious week for President Biden last week because it was supposed to be the week when his focus was going to be on inflation. Uh, but, of course, there was another mass shooting on Wednesday in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, a disgruntled patient who didn't like the way his back surgery uh, had worked out. And so, as you would, he went out and bought himself an AR-15 assault rifle, uh, went to the hospital and hunted down the doctor in the hospital that had performed the surgery, killing him and three others before turning the gun on himself. Uh, so that then led to a presidential address to the nation, which brought together the shooting in Tulsa, plus, of course, the atrocity at the Robb Elementary School in Uvalde uh, and the supermarket, the racially motivated attack on the supermarket in Buffalo last month. Uh, and President Biden essentially laid out a plan. And what he wants, and these proposals are currently being considered uh, in the House of Representatives, uh, where Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House of Representatives, says she's determined to put them to a vote in the next few days. He's calling for a reintroduction of a ban on assault weapons that existed here between 1994 and 2004. But he knows that's never going to happen. So he immediately offered an alternative proposal, uh, which is to raise the legal age at which you can buy an assault rifle from 18 to 21 nationally. He wants a ban on high-capacity magazines that can fire, you know, scores of bullets by the second and by the minute. He wants uh, gun owners held criminally responsible if they don't safely store their weapons at home under lock and key. He wants to end uh, the possibility uh, of legally owned guns from falling into the hands of uh, people who shouldn't be getting their hands on them simply because they've been left lying around the house. Uh, and he wants to codify a couple of existing restrictions that are already on the books, but they were executive orders, one of them signed by President Trump, which is a ban on bump stocks, uh, which uh, are these uh, attachments uh, that allow a semi-automatic uh, rifle to use the recoil after you fire a shot to fire additional bullets. He wants that codified into federal law. Uh, and he also wants uh, existing restrictions that he uh, signed by executive order on um, ghost guns, these guns that are made from a kit of parts and they're untraceable because they don't have any serial numbers on them. He wants that codified into federal law. So the enormous question is, is he going to get any of this done? It's perfectly possible that because the Democrats have a working majority in the House of Representatives, a 
slim one, but a majority, nonetheless, that they may be able to get those measures passed in the House. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if that happens, because the real problem is going to be in the Senate. To get any of this stuff onto his desk to be signed into law, he's got to have 60 of the 100 available votes. Things in the Senate don't get passed by a simple majority unless they are spending bills a couple of times a year. Everything needs 60 votes out of 100. And he's only got 50 Democrats and they're not all on board with his gun control proposals. So, uh, you know, anything that ends up happening, if anything ends up happening, is going to be dramatically diluted. Uh, and, uh, you know, it is still a very high bar in terms of getting any of this stuff done because uh, as ever of the power of uh, the pro-gun lobby the national rifle association and those americans uh, who believe it is their constitutionally guaranteed right uh, under the second amendment to bear arms and they're not willing to entertain the idea of uh, the vast majority of these restrictions because they see it as an infringement of their civil liberties that's a pretty thin brew, though, you've just d described yeah. for us there, these, um, these, these policies that he's uh, trying to get through. That's not going to make the slightest bit of difference. I, I bet the sales of uh, assault weapons have gone through the roof just at the very idea that he might uh, bring in some restrictions. Yeah, absolutely. The New York Times actually published an analysis today of what the impact of these measures would have been, and they have shown that in around three dozen uh, mass shooting incidents they believe that they might have saved some lives i mean the assault weapons ban that was in force between 1994 and 2004 definitely saved some lives not many though i mean president biden likes to say uh, the rate of homicide dropped as a result of that homicide uh, th that uh, assault weapons ban but if you look at the numbers it barely dropped and so the national rifle association takes the flip side and says well it had no impact whatsoever on mass shootings. But you're absolutely right. Very, very thin gruel. I mean, the idea that a 20, you know, if you're 18, you're, if you're 18 and you want to buy an assault weapon, you're going to be told you've got to wait another three years before you can go and do it. Uh, I mean, that is uh, clearly not going to head off problems like the country witnessed in Tulsa only last week, where I believe the gunman was 68 and had no difficulty whatsoever uh, acquiring uh, an assault rifle in order to attack the hospital. So I, I think, I, you know, once again, uh, I think um, we're in a position where no matter how awful the event, and, you know, of all the recent uh, events, you know, the shooting in Uvalde, 19 children aged between 8 and 10 and two of their teachers is the one that has most shocked the collective consciousness. Despite all of that, there's no indication that the tide is turning on Capitol Hill and he's going to be able to get it done. And the Republicans' response to that was, well, what we need to do is arm the teachers. Have they also suggested now that uh, we need to arm the doctors and the supermarket cashiers? Well, interestingly, and I had not realised this until the uh, attack on the hospital in Tulsa, I mean, we obviously talk a lot about school shootings in the United States, but apparently there are a substantial number of armed attacks on hospitals every year, uh, and medical staff increasingly fearful about copycat incidents arising, for example, out of what took place in Tulsa last week. In Ohio uh, last week, they did pass legislation that will allow teachers 
uh, to carry weapons, to conceal carry, as they put it. So they'll have it, you know, tucked into their uh, into their waistband as they're teaching the maths class, just in case uh, uh, any uh, there's any requirement to push back uh, at a gunman who descends on a school. And uh, if you listen to the proposals, for example, that Donald Trump and others at the National Rifle Association conference put forward last weekend, they are proposing to turn schools into armed encampments. I mean, Donald Trump argues that schools need to be safer and more secure than airports or government buildings. So he wants perimeter fences around all schools. He wants only one point of entry. Anybody arriving will need to be pre-screened at that point of entry by armed security guards and then not allowed onto campus, you know, much in the same way as you go through screening when you show up at... at, I did it last week, when you show up at the White House or when you uh, try to gain access to a military base. Mm. That's their vision of the future for schools uh, because they argue that if you take guns away or restrict the access of guns to law-abiding Americans, in fact, that will lead to an increase in the homicide rate because they claim that there are about a million incidents a year uh, of people using their own weapons to defend themselves when they come under attack in their home or in their workplace. But, yeah. yes, absolutely, the sale, if you, if you, if you want to be uh, in a surefire business over here, uh, gun sales is the way to do it right now. Yeah, and uh, most of the people that are defending themselves find that it doesn't actually go like it does in the movies, and they're yeah. more likely to shoot themselves in their own feet than whoever it is that's trying to break in their well, own well, in their uh, house. As, as indeed it didn't in Uvalde, when the police actually descended on the school, mm. and, I mean, there was a completely botched response from a heavily armed police force that was unable to bring that situation under control. Now, the school didn't have an armed security guard on duty that day, but nonetheless, the arrival of police with substantial amounts of firepower uh, also did not alleviate the problem. Now, there's um, another doctor in the news, Dr Oz. Um, He's the chap that got uh, the OK from Donald Trump. How did he fare? Well, he's now officially won his primary contest to be the Republicans' Senate candidate this November in the state of Pennsylvania. Uh, Dr. Oz is literally a doctor off the telly. I mean, he was originally found uh, by Oprah Winfrey, and he made appearances rather like Dr. Phil on Oprah's program, and then developed his own program, a nightly uh, uh, show uh, that's syndicated here in the US, the Dr. Oz Show, in which he uh, proffers uh, medical advice on a variety of different uh, issues. Um, is, and he, is he actually a doctor? He is actually he's a thoracic surgeon. Okay. Um, originally from Turkey, lived in the United States for a long while, served in the Turkish army, still votes in Turkish elections, which has not been uh, without controversy in uh, parts of rural Pennsylvania. But when he entered the race, I mean, th- this is one race, and there are, there are others that run counter to this, but this is one race that shows the power of Trump's endorsement. When he entered the race, he was nowhere. I mean, he didn't even have residents in Pennsylvania. People were accusing him of being a carpetbagger, you know, running uh, in Pennsylvania, even though he had no major ties to the place. He had a raft of other candidates competing with him. 
And in the early polling, he was really running into tremendous difficulty, which all turned around after Donald Trump got behind him, not only endorsed him, but campaigned with him uh, virtually in a variety of um, uh, sort of town hall events. And the end result was very close. It took a couple of weeks uh, for everybody to decide which way this had gone. But uh, his uh, prime opponent conceded defeat on Friday. And so the doctor... Uh, now will be that this thoracic surgeon, a heart surgeon, is going to be running against a Democrat candidate who, uh, on the road to his primary, suffered some heart difficulties and actually had uh, a couple of minor strokes. Uh, says that he's going to stay in the race this November against Dr. Oz. And uh, I think we're going to be in for some real fireworks in Pennsylvania because, you know, for the Republicans, were they able to, uh, to win that seat uh, along with uh, other... Uh, victories that they're eyeing in November's election. They, you know, it's a 50-50 Senate, so they could definitely start dreaming of retaking control of the Senate, which would be a monumental problem for Joe Biden, the back half of, of what Joe Biden still hopes will be his first term in office. Uh, and just finally, the um, petrol prices or gas prices in the states are going through the roof, presumably just as they are in this country. What's Trump, uh, what is um, Biden doing about that? Well, he's had a very difficult weekend here because as of Saturday, the average price nationally of a gallon of petrol in the United States was twice the level that it was on the day Joe Biden was inaugurated. Uh, so, I mean, I went out this afternoon and paid $4.82 a gallon uh, for petrol, and uh, that is literally twice the level that things were at when uh, Biden came in. Now, it's still cheaper than petrol in the United Kingdom, yeah. but in American terms, this is, I mean, I, you know, I was talking to people last night at an event here in town. It's the only subject on people's lips. When is something going to be done about this? And what we think Joe Biden might be about to do about this is head to Saudi Arabia. Uh, the air was thick last week with speculation that he might even travel to Saudi Arabia this month, although it now seems uh, that they're putting that off by at least a month because of the furious reaction uh, that that has created uh, arising from, first of all, the possibility of Joe Biden sitting down with Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, the man U.S. intelligence claims orchestrated the murder and dismemberment uh, of the Saudi-American journalist Jamal Khashoggi in the uh, Turkish, uh, in the uh, the uh, Saudi consulate uh, in Istanbul. But he's also had a lot of pushback from 9-11 families who say, well, hang on, a second, you're the president who uh, authorised the dissemination publicly of intelligence showing ties between Saudi officials and the 9-11 hijackers. You can't possibly go to Saudi Arabia with your, with your hat in your hand asking them to give you more oil unless you're seriously going to haul them over the coals over what happened on 9-11. So they find themselves in a very difficult spot at the White House. He's got to find a way of generating more oil uh, being drilled by the Saudis and by other controversial producers including the Venezuelans so that it brings the price down here and and improves the electoral prospects for Democrats in November, but the cost to him of going to Saudi Arabia and not, uh, you know, holding uh, their feet to the fire over a whole uh, bunch of other issues that exist will also be substantial here. So he's between a rock and a hard place on it. 
Thanks very much, Simon. Good to talk to you, as Cheers, always. Nick. Simon Marks, LBC's US correspondent, joining us from Washington, D.C.